morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.23 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 22nd of August, a Thursday. That's right. This is a Thursday show, 2019. This is episode 129 of Bitcoin and, and we're above 10,000. No, wait, shit. No, 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 we're above 10,000. No, no, no. God. Oh, there we are. It's 10,000. Oh my God. It's been one hell of a weird price couple of days, hadn't it people? I, I think it's just whales swimming around. That's, I, that's gut feeling. I am shit at TA. So there's that, but I don't know, man, this whole bouncing around 10,000 for some reason or another, just it's, it feels different because it's been going on for so long. And I just wonder if it's just not whales dumping and rebuying and dumping and rebuying and, and, and that there's some kind of other than it being a TA support line somehow or another that 10,000 is being revolved around for various nefarious reasons or something. I don't know. Anyway, so it's been fun and kind of heart wrenching at the same time to watch it just bounce around. And I was like, I'll, I, at this point, I think a good, a new meme is that it will j- just to go ahead and, and tweet out or, or, or otherwise write or say, it's never going to be below 10,000 again. I, I get the feeling that that's going to be a permanent meme in the space moving forward. So there's my, there's my morning stuff. Okay, so yes, it is a Thursday show. Why? I, I shit you not, 20 minutes after I dropped my children off at their school, I, I, I got a call that I had to go pick him up because he had pink eye. Now, this is the, this is the, it's not spooky, but for lack of a better term, this is the spooky part. When I picked him up, I had to take a long look in his eyes to figure out where the pink eye was. When I saw it, it was like, oh yeah, he's, he's got pink eye, but it was, I mean, it had just started. I mean, that infection couldn't have been, you know, more than a, a few hours old some, you know, something like that, because it was barely in one quarter of his right eye. You know, it wasn't like, you know, usually, you you know, by the time somebody catches a a kid's got pink eye, that thing is glowing freaking neon pink. So I don't know if his elementary school teacher was like, I don't know, a trained nurse in a former life or something like that. But dude, kudos, because it was caught so quickly, he's not going to have to go through the pain of, ha- of sleeping, waking up and not being able to open up his eyes because it got sealed shut with eye gunk. And if anybody's ever had pink eye, you know, that part sucks. But being, you know, six years old, 
it's scary. That's some scary shit when you can't open your eyes and you're a little kid. And I'm just really thankful that his teacher caught it. All right, now let's let's get on with this thing. Uh, Peter Woola just announced our Miniscript Project website on the Bitcoin Dev mailing list. And so anyway, that's his tweet. Uh, that's uh, P-W-U-I-L-L-E. That's you at that for to be able to follow Peter on um, on Twitter. And so at Bitcoin.sepa.be, he has they've they've posted the entirety of what's going on in their view or not in their view, but what they're doing with this mini script stuff. And for those of you who don't know, I'll just read a little bit of the introduction of this page. Miniscript is a language for writing a subset of Bitcoin scripts in a structured way, enabling analysis, composition, generic signing, and more. So, and a lot of been, lots been talked about Miniscript, but this, uh, for any of you coding geeks out there, if any coding geeks actually listen to me, this has got all of the stuff, man. It is a huge resource for commands and what they do and all the stuff. So if you're interested in learning, uh, starting to get a, your mind wrapped around Miniscript, uh, there is that. Again, that is bitcoin.sipa.be forward slash Miniscript. All right, what's going on in, else that's going on in the community? Uh, we've got the fact that the blue Matt or uh, Matt Carollo has been hired by Square Crypto. So Square Crypto picked up one of the heavy hitting uh, Bitcoin developers in the space. And you can only guess what's probably coming next from uh, from Square and Cash App and all that kind of stuff. That is a that is a huge what I'm trying to say. That was such a good target to go acquire. I mean, yeah, so be looking for some good news out of Square Crypto. Uh, Casa Hodel has an announcement. They are introducing Node Heartbeats. Okay, so Casa Hodel. Let's see what they're what they're doing over here. Um, today we are reveal. Oh, sorry, this is from their blog, uh, from uh, the Casa blog, and that is blog.keys.casa. Node Heartbeats and the Heartbeat Sats Back Reward. This is by uh, Nick Newman writing on their blog. This was yesterday. Today we are revealing Node Heartbeats, a new way to privately, quickly, and securely check your CASA node is working properly from anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. We are also launching Heartbeat Sats Back Reward, a weekly 10,000 Sats Back Reward for any CASA node customer that runs at least five node heartbeat checks in a week. This is one heartbeat per day for at least five days, five of, I'm sorry, five of six days in the week. Then every Saturday is hashtag stacking sats day. Uh, you're missing the G there, guys. That's stacking sats. If you want to help propagate the meme. Um, Let's see. With Node Heartbeats and the Heartbeat Sats Back Reward, you can, one, keep your CASA node healthy. It's now easy to avoid the worst way to find out your node is offline in the moments when you're trying to use your node to send sats. Two, support the network. By keeping your CASA node online, you are actively supporting the Bitcoin and Lightning networks. With each healthy node, the entire network gets stronger. God, this is 
this is just so well done. Three, earn more Bitcoin. Not only are you supporting the Bitcoin and Lightning Networks, but now with every heartbeat sent, you work toward earning more Bitcoin with a weekly reward of 10,000 sats back. Okay, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop it there. This thing goes, this, the blog post goes on, but that's the, the, the important part. So why do I think it's fantastic? <coughs> why wouldn't it be fantastic? You're supporting the network, and by doing so, they're incentivizing you to continue to do it because they're going to give you Satoshis. I think it's brilliant. I, I'd like to know, you know, I'm going to have to dig into this a little bit more because I, I kind of want to know where the sats are coming from. Are they taking it out of their own pocket? Or somehow or another, I, you know, I, I don't know. It just, I think it's really a good idea to start doing more stuff like this. And this is along the lines with modeling like the uh, Lolly guys, where you're getting sats back on purchases in their vendor network. And things like this, I think, really do work. So I'm I'm really excited about this. This is going to be this is going to be great. So apparently this is apparently this is live and we'll just leave it at that. So that again that's node heartbeats and heartbeat sats back rewards from Casa. Casa. I love these guys. Good Bitcoin company. Okay. Uh Pirate Beach Bum, that's at Pirate Be- Beach Bum on Twitter. If you didn't know, and I didn't, okay, so if I didn't know, at least one other person that listens to me probably didn't know this either. Pirates got a Hacker Noon. Okay, so it's hackernoon.com forward slash at Pirate Beach Bum, spelled all all one word. And for, a, and I feel God so completely remiss, but since he's been doing, I think this has been, he's been posting like for a, uh, a little bit now these uh, Bitcoin bear market diaries. And I think he's also, he started doing, uh, let's see, that's Bitcoin bear. Yeah. It looks like they're all Bitcoin bear. Anyway, see, he's reaching out to people and, and getting them to answer a questionnaire. So you can kind of get to know some of the people in the space a little bit better other than like, you know, Reddit or Twitter. I don't know why I said Reddit, but whatever. Um, so he's got like Blake, you know, like it, it's sort of like, well, it's, it's sort of like an interview here. It's all in, in written long form, but like Dieter Bob's on there, even though uh, Dieter Bob's uh, Twitter account got shit canned um, permanently, apparently. Uh, I think he's got Awe BTC. If you're still interested, he's a he's a feisty little guy. <laughs> Got to give him that. Lots of people don't like him, and there's lots of people that are, you know, have very strong opinions that are misunderstood. I, I, although he can be a little bit mean, that's okay. Anyway, like Nick Carter's on there. Uh, Blake Anderson, Karsten's on there. Gabriel Divine, Jimmy Song, John Carvalho. Uh, Steven Levera answered the questionnaire and this is, you know, this is like the questions are like, you know, it's like a two page, it's two pages of questions and they're good questions. And the reason I know about it now 
is because he asked me to fill out the questionnaire. Now, I'm, I don't think I'm on, on his, uh, his Hacker Noon page yet. I'm looking at it right now, and I don't see it. But um, I answered it a couple of days ago. I was really excited about him reaching out because he's got a hell of a bigger follower count than I do. But these are some really interesting uh, – this is really interesting format to get to know people like Tour de Meester, Marty Bent, Vortex – Apex, Notorious Doge, uh, Terrence Yang, Matt O'Dell. I mean, the fact that he reached out to me was an honor. Thank you, Pirate Beach Bum, for reaching out to me. I'm, I'm excited about this. All right, what else we got in the stack here? Um, do, 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 do. Okay, nope, we don't have, that's, that's it for community news. Let's get into the morning roundup. Arthur Hayes, bro. BitMEX to block users in Hong Kong, Bermuda, and get this, Seychelles. (laughs) Love it, man. This is William Foxley writing for Coindesk, August the 19th. Cryptocurrency exchange BitMEX has added three new jurisdictions to its trade restrictions list. HDR Global Trading Limited, BitMEX's parent company, has added Bermuda, Hong Kong, and the Seychelles to its list of total trade access restrictions. BitMEX, based in the Seychelles, maintains arms in Bermuda and Hong Kong. The three jurisdictions join the United States, the province of Quebec and Canada, Cuba, Crimea, Sevastopol, Iran, Syria, North Korea, and Sudan on the list. Per a company posting, BitMEX added that geo blocks for regulatory reason. Quote, the increased involvement of regulators with all major players in the industry is not only to be expected, it is to be welcomed. It is the mission of good regulators to ensure that honest citizens are not being cheated. For this reason, we have decided to restrict access to BitMEX for users in the jurisdictions in which HDR-affiliated companies and offices are located. BitMEX's, official, or BitMEX's announcement follows an investigation by the U.S. Commodities Futures Trading Commission, as disclosed by Bloomberg in July. The investigation was seeking knowledge on U.S. traders' participation in the cryptocurrency exchange, apparently because we're all freaking toxic and nobody can touch us with a 10-foot pole. BitMEX has not registered with the CFTC. BitMEX geoblocks are based on IP location, causing many tra- traders to set up VPNs to bypass jurisdiction resi- uh, restrictions. More recently, the UK Advertising Standards Authority upheld a decision over the exchange's ad posting in a national newspaper. The ASA concluded the Bitcoin advertisement in honor of Bitcoin's Genesis block mining 10th anniversary this past January was purposefully misleading to the public. God, what a bunch of wussies, man. All right, so it, I, I find it, it's probably not irony because almost nobody can really nail down ironic, screw it, I don't care. That just looks like it's way, way, way ironic considering that they're in the Seychelles. That all, they've blocked everything almost. I mean, as far as where, as far as where they're sitting, Nobody that that lives with them or none of their neighbors can trade with them, apparently. So I think it's just hilarious. But uh, what's not hilarious is the Terminator. 
that is Lolly. Yeah, they did it again. You can now earn Bitcoin rewards for Postmate purchases. This is Coindesk's William Foxley again, writing as of yesterday. Food delivery is about to get a little sweeter for the users of the Bitcoin rewards platform Lolly. The startup announced Wednesday that it has partnered with delivery service Postmates, making the popular app the latest partner for Lolly's rewards programs. One of the most popular food services, Postmates mobile app saw 2,094,000 downloads in the last 30 days alone per Crunchbase. Uh, launched in September 2018 on a seeding round of 2.35 million U.S. <clears throat> wow, that's a bad place for a period, guys. Uh, Lolly has added a range of new partners this summer, including national grocery chain Safeway in July and Hotels.com in June. Lolly claims over 750 online retail partners, including Walmart and Sephora, among others, a whole bunch others, guys. Lolly has said that about 40% of its users are new to the cryptocurrency scene. Speaking with Coindesk, Lolly co-founder and CEO Alex Edelman says Lolly remains committed to making Bitcoin more mainstream. Quote, this is another step toward towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin as Postmates is used daily by people across the U.S., Adelman said. Quote, one of Lolly's objectives to make Bitcoin a part of people's everyday lives. Our partnership with Postmates achieves this. Quote, everybody eats, and now you don't have to feel guilty about ordering in when you're stacking sats on each order, Edelman added. Uh, There's an update that was done this morning. An earlier uh, version of this story incorrectly stated Lolly launched in September 2019. Okay, so there's that. Uh, uh, All right, so the Terminator rolls rolls on. Uh, They're just, it's like that speech that uh, the guy from Terminator was given homegirl about that it absolutely will not stop. Yeah. Lolly's business development, uh, their business development arm is pretty hairy for lack of a better term. Okay. Let's say, let's get, okay. Get into some more of the, get into some of the crap. Now U S secretary of state wants to subject cryptocurrencies to existing regulations. Good luck. Colin Harper's writing for Bitcoin Magazine yesterday. <clears throat> Mike Pompeo shared his thoughts on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general during an appearance on CNBC's Squawk Box on August the 20th, 2019. In essence, the career military man and former CIA director wants them treated like anything else in the global financial, financial arena. Quote, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm going to ask you about Bitcoin, Squawk Box host Joe Kernan, the man Joe, said. Connecting the cryptocurrency to terrorism following a comment by Pompeo that, quote, the greatest threat to stability in the Middle East is Iran, end quote. God, Kernan also alluded to U.S. Treasury Secretary uh, Mnuchin's comment that he had great angst about any type of virtual currency and the types of nefarious activity that they allow, Uh, citing recent reports of terrorists turning to cryptocurrencies as their monetary medium of choice. Surprised you didn't slip drugs in there. Mnuchin has been one of several government officials to espouse concerns over cryptocurrency's potential as a terrorist financing tool in light 
in light of Facebook taking a crack at crafting its own digital currency. In response to Kernan's question in context, Pompeo remarked that, quote, we need to preserve a global financial system, end quote, that keeps tight control on the flow of money to keep it from financing acts of terrorism. God, the narrative is just dripping on this one, man. Kernan rounded out the segment with Pompeo by asking, quote, how do you regulate these things like Libra or Bitcoin? Kernan, whose pro-Bitcoin stance as a member of the mainstream media has made him a favorite among the Bitcoin faithful, adding that regulating Bitcoin would be difficult. (laughs) Quote, we should use the same framework that we use to regulate all other financial transactions today. Pompeo responded, that's essentially what these are. These are monies moving through markets or in some cases disintermediated transactions. Pompeo, you have no idea you have, you just, uh, you're going to need a whole new framework, pal. Though Pompeo demonstrated an understanding that cryptocurrencies operate without central parties required to process and handle money in the current system, that doesn't change his outlook on regulation. Quote, but we should regulate them in the same way, he said, qualifying that cryptocurrencies disintermediation is no pass. It's <laughs> a, a little bit more than that, dude. The same set of requirements that apply to things flowing through SWIFT or our financial institutions ought to apply to those two. Good freaking luck. Okay, so that the rest is just, you know, is whatever. That's that's the, the, the meat is that we got a guy who doesn't understand what he's talking about. And it's a guy at the highest level, one of the highest levels that you can be at in the world stage and doesn't get it. That's one of their Achilles heels is that they just don't get it. They're on their way out because I hate to say it. They're aging. They're getting older. They're going to retire. And the, the more that happens, the more new people that have already been tasting Bitcoin and using uh, Fortnite's digital current. Well, it's not really a digital currency, but their internal token stuff. They get it. And I suspect that at one point or another, shit's going to come to a head at the highest levels when uh, millennials and uh, uh, and the generation below them start really interacting on the world stage with these leaders. Okay. New report identifies coins profiting from fake social media engagement. This is Alex Lelicher writing August, uh, today. <clears throat> Uh, A new report by researchers at The Tie provides insights into which digital assets are being manipulated via bots and fake social media accounts. In a Twitter thread, crypto analytics provider The Tie details (laughs) details its hype to activity ratio. The metric is a measure of the number of tweets about a crypto asset per $1 million in trading volume using 30-day averages for both. Quote, across the 450 crypto assets we investigated, there were an average of 1.02 tweets per 1 million in trading volume, the tie stated on Twitter. However, there were a number of outliers on both ends. According to the company's analysis, the most overhyped assets were TokenPay, Electronium, and DragonChain, followed by Telcoin and Digibyte. TokenPay, Electronium, and DragonChain have each received over 500 times the average number of tweets <laughs> than that for a, a crypto asset. Uh, this suggests that Twitter that Twitter mentions for these assets 
are being manipulated and artificially inflated by investors, the project's community, or the project themselves. Regardless of who is behind the inflated social media engagement for these projects, this information should be considered a red flag about these digital assets as their real investor interest is substantially lower than it appears on Twitter. And then they give a, a, a graph or a, a slide here, most overhyped cryptocurrencies on Twitter. Conversely, the tie also found that the least overhyped coin is Tether, which can be explained by the fact that it is a stable coin and its social media fan base is limited despite its high trading volumes because it's a utility. The remaining assets, and no wonder, it's like it's a utility. I don't get excited about my natural gas bill. I, I don't tweet about it. I who cares? The remaining assets in the top five least overhyped cryptocurrencies include EOS, uh, Ethereum Classic, Cosmos, and NEO. The X, <coughs> sorry, the, among the largest crypto assets measured by market cap, the hype to activity ratio holds steady, which suggests that the world's leading digital currencies and tokens are not being aggressively overhyped on social media. However, there is one exception Ripple. <laughs> That's right, Ripple, the hobo wine coin. While Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash have hype-to-activity ratios of between 0.71 and 1.72, hobo wine shows a ratio of 4.07. Furthermore, the researchers say that the hashtags, uh, let's see, hashtag XRP community, XRP the standard, and XRP army were included in the analysis. The figure would rise to 6.6. That is six times the average of all 450 assessed crypto assets, of course, because it's just a bot army, man. The XR, uh, That Ripple or Hobo Wine stands out with a higher hype to activity ratio when compared to market leading peers should come as a no surprise. Recently, revelations by Jeff Goldberg suggest the infamous XRP army is primarily made up of fake accounts and bots. When compared to other altcoins, however, Hobo Wine's XRP actually ranks quite low. Looking at the most overhyped crypto assets with over 50 tweets per day, or a per day chart on a logarithmic scale below, you can see that XRP ranks quite low on the overhyped scale. The TIE's findings indicate that overhyping a digital asset on social media is commonplace in the altcoin market, that's shitcoin, and even larger projects such as IOTA, Tezos, Nano, and Cardano may be receiving more attention on crypto Twitter than is merited by real trading interest. Quote, just like trading volume manipulation, many of these coins are similarly being manipulated on Twitter by hordes of bot accounts, fake followers, and manipulated engagement, end quote, the tie believes. The company also adds that crypto assets with high levels of Twitter activity also have an irrationally high number of Twitter followers, many of which are fake. The idea behind this is to seem more legitimate. The example that the company shares is that Electronium has 127,000 followers, while the most popular margin trading platform, BitMEX, has only 65,000. That is interesting. Quote, while significant efforts are being made to improve legitimacy, the industry remains very much the Wild West. Although many within crypto can easily detect manipulative practices, this deception is aimed at new entrants into crypto who are often less informed. While a simple comparison of tweets in relation to trading volume may not be the end-all be-all of crypto asset evaluation methods, the TIE's analysis does highlight the fact that some alt shitcoins 
are more hype than substance. And perhaps more importantly, you should never make investment decisions based on what you read on social media. <laughs> so, there, there you go. XRP leads the pack in hype. Of course it leads the pack in hype. It's the shittiest of all the shit coins. Daniel Kuhn, writing August the 21st for Coindesk, uh, says that authorities have seized crypto mining equipment from a nuclear power plant. God, that's the best place to actually do some mining, I would suppose. Ukraine's top law enforcement and counterintelligence agency uncovered crypto mining equipment on site at a nuclear power plant. According to local media reports, the Security Service of Ukraine confiscated six Radeon RX 470 GPU video cards, a motherboard, power supplies and extension cords, a USB and hard drive, and cooling units installed in the South Ukrainian nuclear power plant on July the 10th. All of the equipment was located in a single office, number 104, in the administrative wing separate from the power facility from the state-owned what is it? Inter, Intergo Adam Enterprise. Intergo Adam Enterprise. That's Intergo Adam, whatever. The power plant is registered as a state secret and outside computer uh, equipment is not authorized to enter the property. The same day, a National Guard of Ukraine branch uncovered additional crypto mining equipment at the same nuclear plant. In this search and seizure, 16 GPU cards, seven hard drives, two solid state drives, and a router were uncovered. GPUs have fallen out of favor in the crypto mining com community as more specialized equipment has come to market. It is unknown what type of cryptocurrencies were being mined. The SBU did not respond for a quest for comment by press time. Reportedly, activists with the Ukrainian Cyber Alliance formed a flash mob organized under the hashtag Fuck Responsible Disclosure in 2017 to raise concerns over security issues at Energo Adam. So... <laughs> I, again, it's probably not irony, but it sure seems like it. Okay. Wolfie Zhao, writing August the 20, 21st for Coindesk, says that Tether is to issue a stable coin backed by the yuan in a Belgian bank. So says an insider anyway. Tether is planning to issue a stable coin pegged to the Chinese renminbi, according to a trader with ties to the company, Zhao Dong the over-the-counter trader in China and shareholder of crypto exchange Bitfinex, which shares managers and owners with Tether, revealed the move on WeChat on Wednesday, saying Tether plans to call the stablecoin CNHT. His peer-to-peer -peer crypto lending business, Remembit, will support trading and deposits for CNHT when, is when it is launched, he said. He later added in a post, Personally, I think the offshore yuan stablecoin could boost the circulation of offshore renminbi and inter internationalize it. Regulators may be happy to see it proceed and succeed. Tether, best known for issuing the dollar, U the U.S. dollar pegged USDT, did not respond to requests for comment. Zhao told CoinDesk that he believes the new stablecoin will be launched very soon. <clears throat> Excuse me. Possibly within weeks. That sounds exactly like the same language out of the Chinese Central Bank. Hmm. He said the stablecoin's reserve is expected to be held in a bank in Belgium. Hmm. In his view, the token would have two main benefits. It would make Tether less dependent on the U.S. dollar for its stablecoin business while boosting the circulation of the renminbi held offshore. Zhao said he did not know if Tether has buyers lined up for the new stablecoin. Oh, they'll buy it. 
It's unclear which blockchain the CNHT would be built on top of. Tether's USDT, <coughs> USDT has been issued on top of the Bitcoin blockchain as well as the Ethereum and Tron networks. So there you go. Expect another shit coin coming out. Um, now, that's not really a shit coin. I mean, it's a stable coin, but it does seem awfully weird that this is going in, in tandem with uh, the Central Bank of China's uh, or People's Bank of China, their announcement that they're going to do a digital yuan. It's, you, it's probably not a conspiracy, but the, the timing, guys, the, the, the timing. And, you know, it wouldn't be the first time to that somebody would offshore or not even in this case, really not offshore, but give over to a third party uh, the possibility of a, you know, of a currency. It's done, was done with the Federal Reserve Act here in 1913, in case you didn't know. Okay. Uh, Miller, <clears throat> Miller Lite teams with blockchain firm for customer engagement game. This is Daniel Palmer writing this morning. Miller Lite, the popular beer brand from U.S. brewer Miller Coors, has teamed up with a blockchain marketing company for the latest iteration of its Know Your Beer program. For the ongoing campaign launched July the 1st, Vatum Labs built what it calls a mobile edutainment game called Great Taste Trivia <clears throat> that served a 12-question quiz to cell phones geo-targeting customers in over 230,000 bars and restaurants across the United States. Players answering all 12 questions correctly get to win a $5 prize that can be used to purchase Miller Lite. Uh, that's a terrible beer, guys. Just I, I know I probably just pissed somebody off, but uh, God, uh, 10,000 prizes will be paid out over PayPal in the campaign that runs until September. Vatum Labs said Wednesday that the game was provided on its own platform that it built on blockchain tech. The game leverages NFTs, non-fungible tokens, to provide the quiz, social badges, rewards for social media sharing, and to ensure that the $5 prize token, quote, cannot be counterfeited. Using NFTs also allows Vatum to track game activations, engagements, and engagement platform, and assign the reward based on that data. Tyler Mobius, co-founder and CEO of Vatum Labs, said, quote, We have built a powerful brand activation platform that leverages a new blockchain-enabled smart media object that is highly programmable and able to deliver a real tangible value from the brand to the consumer, like $5 to their PayPal account for FFS. That remains a simple mobile experience, end quote. Giving companies the next or giving companies the ability to create quote digital promotions and activation experiences using blockchain is the next major upgrade required to usher in the new era of brand innovation, Mobius added. So you know, it's disturbing. It it really is. Although on the, it's not, but it's see, that's the problem. It's one of the reasons why it's disturbing is that it's disturbing, but it's not. It's not because because of adoption, but they get a lot of things wrong here. PayPal, you didn't need PayPal. You, 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 I mean, you should have just used Bitcoin for that part. Now, on the flip side, the adoption side, this is interesting. It's interesting because all the, the, the little lights, whistles, and bells that they've hung off this thing, like uh, social badges, rewards for social media sharing, I got to tell you, man, uh, this isn't that 
that particular thing isn't stupid. It is a little disturbing because it's even more trackable than what we got going on now, but this is going to happen. There's no, there's, uh, there's no memeing out of existence, this kind of shit coinery. Uh, I mean, and I, not suggesting that you don't try, try harder, please, for the love of God, try until we're all dead. But I just, I just see this coming. This is just coming. And this is one of the first things of it. Now, luckily we have solid companies like Fold, Lightning Pizza, uh, Lolly that are doing it correctly. And if they kind of put some of this stuff in with their thing, like, you know, maybe the social badges or quiz, you know, quizzes and little, you know, little games, then there will, there will be some even more healthy competition. So might want to take a look into this guys, uh, talking to you, Lolly and fold and lightning pizza and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Except that crypto Dale is probably pissed that it wasn't Bush beer in Palestine. Civilians are using Bitcoin more than Hamas. Okay. Now I got three stories in a row on this and I'm not going to read them all. But what I, what I do want to do is give you a taste of all three of these stories. And then we'll talk about it <clears throat> at the end of the third story as to why. Lee Kuhn, or Quen, Kuhn, Lee Kuhn. I'm going to go with Lee Kuhn. August the 22nd, writing for Coindesk. <sighs> In Palestine, civilians are using Bitcoin more than Hamas. The takeaway... Experts say Hamas is now using Bitcoin for cross-border funding at an unprecedented rate. Still, even the largest estimates of terror financing in the region are apparently dwarfed by civilian Bitcoin usage in the Gaza Strip, local experts tell Coindesk. General awareness in Palestine of Bitcoin and Ethereum has increased since 2018, and freelance payments and remittances are reportedly the leading use cases for Bitcoin transactions in the Palestine territories. Okay, now getting into the body of this, <clears throat> ethics, <clears throat> sorry, ethical uses of Bitcoin are more popular than ever among civilians in Palestine, sources have told Coindesk. Quote, there are some offices that now do $5 million to $6 million a month. Freelance web developer and Gaza-based Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoiner Ishmael Al-Safadi told Coindesk about local money changers. I quote, I've seen an office send 100 BTC in one transaction. There are also lots of small clients. They send 200 to $1,000 US, end quote. The $5 million figure dwarves, should be dwarfs, the tens, tens of thousands of dollars in illicit transactions reported earlier this week by the New York Times. Last year, Coindesk reported that one such cryptocurrency dealer served roughly 50 clients a month purchasing or liquidating an average of $500 each. He has since relocated to Europe <laughs> having earned enough to emigrate. Okay. I'm going to stop there. Okay. So that's story one. Now the next one up is this one. And this is by Nicholas day, August the 21st writing for CoinDesk. U S treasury blacklist, Bitcoin, Litecoin addresses of Chinese quote unquote drug kingpins. The U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control, or OFAC, has sanctioned three Chinese nationals and their cryptocurrency addresses, alleging they violated money laundering and drug smuggling laws. 
money laundering and drug smuggling laws. Just saying it twice so that we so that we can have the discussion at the end. OFAC named there's no way I'm I'm pronouncing any of these three gentlemen's name. Okay? Just let you know. These gentlemen, as narcotics traffickers under the Foreign Narcotics Kingpin Designation Act, freezing any property they own within the U.S. and listing a number of email aliases, citizen numbers, and passport information for the three. The agency also listed a number of Bitcoin addresses as well as one Litecoin address that the agency claims belonged to the Chinese citizens. According to the press release, Fujin Zhang, I got him, is a significant foreign narcotics trafficker who received support from the other gentleman. (laughs) Yan has separately been designated as a significant narcotics trafficker. In addition to naming the three individuals, OFAC listed Quinshang Pharmaceutical Technology Company Limited and the Zhang Drug Trafficking Organization in Wednesday's update. Okay, how many times was drug trafficking kingpin used there? All right, third story, also from Coindesk. This is William Foxley writing this morning. White House advisory says cryptocurrencies used for fentanyl purchases. You see where this is going. The White House issued two advisories on drug purchases in the U.S. Wednesday using the communications to make specific references to the role of cryptocurrencies in such transactions. The advisories addressed to both financial institutions and digital payment platforms state that convertible virtual currencies, particularly Bitcoin, Bcash, Ethereum, and Monero, can be and have been used for illicit substance purchases on the clear, deep, and dark nets. The advisory defines convertible virtual currencies as monies that are easily liquidated into stable fiat currencies, such as the dollar. Specifically noted is the drug fentanyl, a Schedule II controlled substance. Do you know that marijuana is a Schedule One, which is, makes it even worse as as a crime than than fentanyl? FFS, a Schedule Two controlled substance whose illicit cousin enters the U.S. the U.S. through Mexico or China per the advisories. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. Can you can you see the pattern? This is all within 24 hours. Okay. And that, and this is just a sampling. This is, guys, this is just a freaking sampling of the shit that has been coming down my pike for the last few days. The narrative is strong. The narrative is being driven, and the narrative is the old, same old crap. Child trafficking. Oh, and it's, yeah. Okay, let, let's talk about that one a little bit. David Gurish or some some such shit. And a few other people, oh, 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 M and Guns uh, Surreer is in on this too. They're spinning up a narrative that link that is like at this point lightly linking Bitcoiners or Bitcoin itself to pedophilia. Imagine that. And those, you know, between those two, and they're getting, they're obviously they're getting pushed back. But I mean, Emmons' tweet was pretty damn sinister, and I don't have it in front of me. But he pseudo defended 
Bitcoin in su- by saying, like in, in one sentence in the tweet, that of course it's ridiculous to link Bitcoiners to pet to uh, to this type of thing, and then he goes on to say other stuff about pedophilia in that same tweet, and I'm looking at it critically. And I'm like, I think that was on purpose. I think it was to soften the blow and make people think that he's actually defending Bitcoin, but he's not because he still has Bitcoin and pedophilia in the same freaking tweet. Do not listen to these people. The dollar has been used for more heinous crimes of larger scale across a longer time frame than anything that we've seen in the modern, you know, at least in, in modern times. And before the United States dollar became the, the world's currency, you can bet that the British, the great British pound or yeah, pound sterling was also used and is still also being used for criminal nefarious purposes. If we knew how deep that really went, we would be horrified. Okay. So, but that that narrative's not there. No, 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 no. The narrative's being wrapped around Bitcoin. So be clear, people. The attacks are never going to end. It's up to me and you and anybody else that you can, I don't know, hang the idea on. We, we got to keep this place clean and, and combat FUD. And it's coming internally. It's coming externally. I don't, you know, it's, 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 just it's horrible to see but it's happening you got to be aware you got to keep your guard up you got to get the word out all right so that's going to do it for the morning roundup your vital statistics brought to you by bit info charts let's get into it man We've got Bitcoin, and as as you know, this whatever I read right now as the price is probably is not going to be the price by the end of the show. The time right now is ten oh eight a.m. Central Daylight Time in the United States on the twenty second of August. I think timestamps are important, guys. I got an average here of ten thousand ninety seven, and it looks like the high is going to be over at. Yeah, it's going to be over at P2P, B2B at 10,106. We got a low. It looks like it's going to be over at GDAX at $10,090. 313,000 transactions have been sent over the last 24 hours. That gives us an average transaction transaction number per hour of 13,000. About 20 million BTC have been sent over the last 24 hours with an average send per hour of 815,657. Average transaction value is 62.47 BTC, and the median transaction value is 0.033 BTC, or about 331 bucks, kind of like where I like to see it. I have no clue why I like it at $300, whatever. Block time's a bit high, 10 minutes, 26 seconds. We got 0.4 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis, 53 BTC being taken in all in fees over the last 24 hours. We've lost 6% hash rate, but we're still at 70.2 exahashes per second. Last GitHub commit to the uh, code base was sometime yesterday. Ethereum is at 188. Gotta hurt. Bcash is at 302. Ow. Litecoin 73, BSV 134, oh, 
Ethereum Classic is $7. <laughs> Doge has a little bit of a drop. It's gone to 0.0027. And with 23,600 transactions over the last 24 hours, it beats Litecoin again. <laughs> Good doggy. Mempool looks like it's got 18,000 unconfirmed transactions. Mempool size seems to be 13 megabytes. Hmm. And all the, ooh, we got a, a 1.6 megabyte block here, guys. And a couple of 1.4 megabyte blocks. Huh. Interesting. Nice. Uh, we are 11 blocks deep into the mempool, by the way. And that is brought to you by mempool.space, which is a kind of a nice little graphic way to, to look at the mempool. All right. That's going to do it for Vital Statistics. Today's song is brought to you by Bela Fleck and the Flecktones. This one's live. It sounds good. Um, it's like not really old. It's not something that's like, you know, like in the early formation of Bela Fleck. It's from a few years ago. It features one of the mo more well-known songs from Bela Fleck's repertoire. If you don't know who Bela Fleck is, uh, he is a regular at the Telluride Bluegrass Festival. So that tells you where we're, where we're going, except it doesn't tell you where we're going. Bela Fleck plays the banjo. Yes, he does. It's an electric banjo, and he plays it probably with the mastery that few people in the world will ever hope to achieve, except for one guy, Steve Martin. That's right, the comedian, the frickin' comedian who started his career out by putting an arrow through his head, one of those little hats that you wear, it looks like it's got an arrow coming through your head, and he would play the banjo. And he said openly that he did that for a joke. He thought it would get a rise out of the crowd. Shit launched his career, bro. It was just a joke. It was a gag. He learned how to play the banjo just enough to be able to play this one bit that he used to do, I guess, in the 70s when he was starting out. Uh, yeah, pretty. I, I would imagine the 70s. I think, and then he got really big in the 80s. And he's, you don't really see him in movies anymore. Why? He's playing a lot of banjo. In fact, he's played so much banjo that he plays with Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones. I think they've put out at least one album and have at least played live. I'm not sure about a full-blown tour, but I heard, uh, I've heard him play with Bela Fleck and Steve Martin is an amazing banjo player. And I mean, he's got he's got the chops enough that Bela Fleck said, Let, let's do something. And if Bela Fleck thinks you're good enough at the banjo to play banjo with him, then you're probably pretty good at Thanks the so banjo. Today. We had a great time playing for you. Howard Levy on the keyboards and harmonica. Victor Lamont Wooten on the bass. Future Man on the syntax drumatar. Bela Fleck on the banjo. Thank you, guys.
So there you go from Bela Fleck. Now, I want you to understand something that most of the drumming that you heard in that was done by a gentleman called Future Man, and he plays all of the drums. Well, not not all, but 90% of every beat you heard, bass, kick, drum, snare, tom-toms, any cymbal splashes, anything like that, most of it, most of it came from him playing what's called a synth axe. And that is a guitar that doesn't look like very much like a guitar. It's a digital triggering system. Very expensive. Uh, Alan Holdsworth from um, Supertramp used to play one. And the story goes that he mortgaged his house to buy it. And you're talking a guy, one of the guitar players from one of the largest supergroups known to mankind. Again, that name, name of that band is Supertramp. Okay, so music section aside. Let's get into the daily train wrecked, huh? Let's see. Who's up? Who's on deck for the train wrecked? Oh, yeah. Rick Falkvenge. <laughs> okay. The account at Bitcoin has obviously been hijacked by somebody who's intent on revising history and falsifying financial information. Electronic trespassing, insider, <clears throat> securities fraud, serious stuff in the eyes of the state. I wonder how many years of jail they're gunning for. Mm-mm-mm. Well, that's some right fine stupid right there, man. That's a just God. If you've been living under a rock, then you don't know that at Bitcoin, the Twitter account that we're pretty sure was hijacked by Roger Ver, uh, started spewing Bcash crap about 18 months ago. And, uh, and now they're not, uh, they're actually actively, that account is actively trolling the living crap out of Bcash. Um, you know, the jury's out guys. I don't know what happened. Nobody seems to know what happened. Conjecture on the street is that because it was to the day of 18, uh, 18 months to the day since B, uh, at Bitcoin started spewing Bcash crap, the conjecture is that Roger can't, it was an 18 month lease on the property that at Bitcoin can, is considered a property. In As much as I enjoy the new trolling that's going on, I'm I'm still on the fence as to whether or not I can trust this. Now I followed him back and I put him back on my list, but I'm watching him like a hawk. And the reason is because if they allow that property to be leased by any idiot saying that they're the Bitcoin, then I I can't really trust it. A lot of that reputation is burned. Now be aware. They may be trying to rebuild that reputation by actively trolling Bcash and Bcashers. But if they've done it once, they'll probably do it again. I want you to be very, very, very careful about how you allow at Bitcoin's account to be pushed. Um, I'm kind of trying not to retweet them, but I have. I I, I have. Um I just, it's one of those things that it, it bugs the shit out of me. There's, it's like this needle in the back of my mind 
it's like the, the old, that matrix thing. It just keeps, I don't know. There's something about this that I'm not even going to say that there's something not right, but something's weird. And like I said, if it, if it was an 18 month lease on the at Bitcoin Twitter property, then how much can we really trust it? Think of it this way. If I am married and I have children and let's say that I end up in a romantic and sexual relationship with another woman and she falls in love with me and she thinks, you know, like that I'm going to leave my wife and kids and marry her and, and wants that to happen. Why? Why in the hell would you want that shit to happen? You're talking about somebody like if you marry, if you break open a home and you get the guy or the, you know, the girl or whatever it is that, that how can you ever trust them not to do the exact same freaking thing to you? They've done it once. They did it once. How can you not, how can you not trust it? This line of reasoning also goes into why I hate shit coins, especially the newest one by David Chom. I, I don't like that guy anymore because he's engaged in shit coinery and he should know better. Okay. But the reason I don't like any altcoins and any shit coins and ICOs and all this crap is that they always say the same thing. We're going to beat Bitcoin. Well, if you do, then your coins next, let's say all the value drains out of BTC and goes into that shit show EOS. Then the same thing is it's even easier. And well, it's taken it. Let's say it happens today. We dive below 10,000 for the thousandth time in 24 hours. And then it goes straight to hell, straight to zero, does not pass go, does not collect $200 because it goes to zero. And EOS gets all, all like it, Bitcoin gets liquefied into EOS. It will take two years for the exact same thing to happen to EOS. And then it will take 0.2 years for the same damn thing to happen to whatever shit coin takes it all the way from, all the way from EOS. It's the same line of reasoning. Be careful with the at Bitcoin Twitter account, guys. Just keep, keep your eyes open for, for chicanery. Cause I, I, I kind of got a gut feeling that, that we're being played. I don't know yet. I hope I'm wrong, but anyway, that's going to do it for the smoldering pile. Right, man. Terrible Joke Corner is brought to you by at Dan Bolser, D-A-N-B-O-L-S-E-R on Twitter. Direct uh, Tagged me direct in this tweet and says, here it comes. Did you hear about the squid that even a dolphin wouldn't eat? It was unfit for porpoise. Porpoise, P-O-R-P-O-I-S. You get the idea. Bad joke, man. Right up there. Short, sweet, terrible. Love it. All right, man. The Odd Thursday show is wrapping up here. Uh, 129 episodes. Wow, dude. Uh, I want to I say thank you to everybody 
that sent that wished my son and his pink eye well. Well, maybe not the pink eye to get well from the pink eye. I had a, you know quite a few people uh, send good wishes. Um, I'm really lucky that it's just pink eye because one and I'm I'm not going. Well, I will name one name. Uh, some people have had are having some you know difficult times right now. Um, some of our, our Twitter brethren in, in the space, Bruce Fenton's son is going to go under the knife for, I believe what he says is a second neurosurgery and some vertebrae are going to be fused and his, his son is young. So I want everybody that wished, you know, my son to recover from pink eye to really send your wishes to Bruce Fenton because his son is going to go undergo a pretty brutal surgery surgery. Okay. Uh, and mobilization halos involved. We're talking, you know, uh, neck and, and cranial kind of stuff. And, you know, vertebrae are involved. And I would really like it if you reached out to Bruce and, and send prayers. And if you're uh, not into praying, you can always send good, positive messages. And you can always just write to Bruce Fenton on Twitter and say, hey, I, I hope your son gets well fast. I hope the procedure goes perfect. I hope everything is fine because that's a little boy and he's going to go through pretty brutal surgery plus the recovery. So there's that. Um, a woman, I'm not going to mention her name, uh, but she lost her husband. She's in the space and she lost her husband suddenly. And he look, looks from his picture, he looks like pretty damn young. Okay, this isn't like somebody who's, you know, 112. Okay, this is somebody like probably younger than me. And he up and died, straight up and died, no warning, no nothing, and left a widow. And she's in the space and, you know, just send positive, you know, positive energy in the universe and and pray for for all those who have died. Sorry, crossing myself and kind of obligated to do that when you speak of the dead. Anyway, um, I am just not, not you. I, I am. Um, uh, my son having pink eye is a blessing because he's not going to go under a knife and he not, he, and, and my wife hasn't died. And, you know, so while I really thank all the people for wishing my son, well, wish these other people well as well because they're in a much stickier situation than me having to give one drop every, you know, four hours per, you know, per eye until the bottle, you know, until the whole thing clears up in seven days. I I'm lucky, but thank you again for, for all the, the, all the positive energy that you guys sent me as always, David Parrish tipped, tipped me some sats on my bottle account. So I want to thank David Parrish for that. Um, also, um, if you could, you know, if you want to do me a favor, you could always go to iTunes on my podcast and give me a five-star rating. I do believe this is the first time that I've ever asked that. And that's probably pretty stupid. You know, I, I, I'm doing a lot of things that are probably pretty stupid, but I, I kind of can't help myself. So if you could, if you'd take some time out of your day, if you got some free time, you run over to the, uh, uh, to my podcast over on iTunes and hit me up with a five-star rating. I, I would really appreciate it. It seems to, re- I've, I've got two, and I, I actually believe that those two kind of 
uh, got me some more listeners. From what I understand, every five-star rating you get, uh, you reach more and more people. And I'd like to have more and more listeners. I'm, I'm really digging this. Um, so if you could do that, that would be nice. Also, give me a follow on Twitter at BENND77. Uh, I, you can actually watch me construct this show live as I'm putting it, as I'm doing the pre-production. Uh, I start tweeting out the news stories that I'm going to do. Um, I've, 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 if you go to the show notes in this episode, um, I've got um, a curated Twitter timeline that I drop every single news story, every daily train wrecked, every bad joke, every, not the songs anymore because that idiot over at so there's some company that this guy works for and he's just allowing or getting Twitter to ban people for posting uh, music. And I just, I don't want to get into that shit right now. Um, so the, the songs aren't there, but all the other stuff that I put in there is in this curated Twitter timeline. Uh, and it's broken up with a tweet by day. So, you know, what was covered on, on what show, um, and it's been there for months now. It's actually really huge and probably going to get longer, but I don't, I doubt I need a blockchain for that. A- anyway, guys, five-star rating on iTunes, follow me on Twitter and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.